Hi, I'm Eric Dewey. And this is Steve O'Mooney. And I'm Matthew Renfro. And we're Socially Awkward. You're listening to another great production on the Four Eyed Radio Network. Check out more shows at foureyedradio.com. Today on Ranger Command Power Hour. The app asks you questions like, hey, what's been going on lately? As an example, Mm -hmm. Brennan Mejia said, just finished ADR and now doing homework and waiting for acting class, then circus practice tonight. People comment on it and leave him likes and stuff. So it's basically just like social media with me. Right, exactly. It's social media. Forces of darkness, empower me. Take me back to my virtual reality. And now on Ranger Command Power Hour. Hey, 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 hey. It's the Ranger Command Power Hour. We are the Today on the Power Hour, episode 66, Ranger Nation interview, Mike Hollander. Record on April 3rd, 2016. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Summer Ranger up with your hosts. I'm Eric, also known as Trekkie B47. I'm Zach, also known as the Cinema Slob. We are the Atrooper. Today we are interviewing Mike Hollander, best known in Ranger Nation as J.B. Reese on VR Troopers. Currently, he is an animator at Telltale Games and worked on such games as The Walking Dead, The Wolf Among Us, Tales from the Borderlands, and Game of Thrones. So welcome to Ranger Command Power Hour, Mike. Hi, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no problem. We just want to say it was great meeting you last month at LexCon. That was a real blast. Overall, how was your first convention experience? Oh, man, it was awesome. You know, it wasn't just my first like guest appearance at a convention, but I've mm-hmm. never even been to a Comic-Con at all. And, you know, I love that kind of stuff. I guess you could call myself a nerd, but I mean, <laughs> I, I just, I really geek out over, I'm, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Let's, let's start with that. Mm-hmm. I just love sci-fi genre in, in general. I love all the superhero stuff. So you yeah. Totally, just, you are totally like company, man. That is absolutely <laughs> what we love to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what kid didn't grow up with all that stuff? You know, and I, you know, I was kind of a, a dork as a kid, you know, I didn't really fit in. And so, yeah, I, you know, I grew up on comic books and, and just watching like sci-fi movies and stuff. So that was my thing. And I, I can't believe it's taken so long to go to go to a Comic-Con <laughs> and to be invited as a guest for the first time. It was so, so cool. It was just an unbelievable experience. That's awesome. Any standout moments maybe away from your booth or something you saw that was just like, wow, I can't believe I've seen this or <laughs> anything like that. Uh, not anything shocking, uh, mm-hmm. outside of my booth. The only thing that I can think of that I was like disappointed by, but it, it really wasn't a big deal because, all right, so here's what happened. So, 
So I'm at my booth, and you have to remember, you know, I, I changed my name. I I haven't been in public view doing any mm-hmm. other work since you know since VR Troopers. So it's been 20 years. So I've been out of the spotlight for 20 years, and so I just thought people forgot about the show. I was shocked that people even remembered the show. Never mind, remember <laughs> me. I was really surprised by how many fans came up to me and wanting my autograph. I, that just blew me away. I just you know I work nine to five every day like mm-hmm. everybody else, and so. So that was a shock. But what was a little bit of a disappointment was they wanted me to have like this professional photo time with uh-huh. fans. So, you know, they had all the stanchions and people waiting in lines to, you know, line up to take a photo with you. And so mm-hmm. when I showed up, only one person showed up. So, which which was fine. That's I I I didn't even think anybody had even remembered me at all. So and and VR Troopers wasn't as popular as Power Rangers. So totally fine. But that's the only thing that stood out to me. I was like, oh. Did anything surprise you about being a guest at a convention? Like, how did just getting invited how did that happen for lexington yeah that was weird because as you know i changed my last name you know on the show at mm-hmm. the time i was michael bacon that was my birth name and then i changed it after the show just for personal reasons i never liked the name bacon and hollander is my grandmother's name so it was her idea i changed my name so and i like it much better so because i changed my name nobody could track me down i mean i was just <laughs> You know, I, I saw stuff on the internet once in a while. I, I check in and go, "Oh, Mike Bacon is like off the grid. He's just disappeared. Like, <laughs> He's off the battle grid." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I didn't think anything of it. I'd, I'd hear these comments or anything, and I, I almost wanted to res- wanted to respond, but you know, that wasn't my life anymore. So, mm-hmm. but then I created an IMDb page and put both of my names on there. So I put my VR Trooper credit a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Mike Bacon, and then I put all my video game and film credit where I was an animator on that as Michael Hollander, and someone tracked me down uh, last year, I guess, and invited me for the Lexington convention. So I was shocked that someone <laughs> was to track me down after 20 years and actually find me. I, w- I was flattered, and, and it was, uh, yeah, it was great that they did. It was great meeting you, and the panel that you were at was pretty fun, too. There was uh, oh, quite yeah. a few people on that panel, too. Oh, the Q&A panel? You went to? Yeah. Oh, okay. We record the panel and we release that on our show with some of the other Power Ranger panels from the convention. Oh, cool. I want to hear that, see that. (laughs) Oh, definitely. We'll link you to it. But how did that feel? Being on a panel, Brad Hawkins was supposed to be there, but he couldn't make it. It was like the Mike Hollander panel. (laughs) Is it called a panel when it's just one person? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Q&A, yeah. It was weird. So the whole convention experience probably was just mind-blowing for you, just being there. It it almost feels like that was another person from a long time ago, and I knew this person. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) that's how weird and separated I feel from VR Troopers. Like, I've had a completely different life since the whole, Mm -hmm. you know, Hollywood experience. And um, so just to have this hit me so suddenly, like... Hey, come on down! And I'm already invited to another Comic Con, actually, the Power Morphicon, and yes, and, and people are reaching out to me, and I I created a, a VR Trooper fan page, and so this is this is really <laughs> bizarre, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. you know, I can I, gotta, I can kind of relate. What? I was going to say, I can kind of relate to that. When I was a kid, I was in a movie, and like every so often, somebody will remind me, like, "Oh, hey, yeah, I saw your movie. What was that like?" And I'm just like, "That was like." 
23, 24 years ago. I don't remember. <laughs> what what like, movie was it? Uh, Parenthood with Steve Martin. Oh, you were in that? Yeah. Oh, cool. Do you remember oh, the you're little... more famous than I am. Oh, All right, let's turn the microphone around. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's the Hollywood industry. The fans can ask me that later. But no, this is about you, man. This, this show is about you. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about VR Troopers. We actually had some of our listeners ask some questions, and we're going to ask them on their behalf. So first, at Jambalaya23 on Twitter, actually had two questions. They said, how long did it typically take to film an episode and at the time did you watch any of the other saban shows like power rangers or beetleborgs or mass rider okay so the first part of the question what we did is we would shoot four episodes every two weeks so we would be in one location for two or three days and shoot all the locations that would be in all the different four episodes so we'd be at a lake for episode one two and four and then we shoot that over three days, and then the next three days we'd shoot all the locations for the other episodes. You know, so we would do it by location, not by episode. So I, I can't really say how long it takes to shoot an episode, but it, it, it wasn't very long. I guess it takes like <laughs> a few days to shoot an episode. But as you know, most of that footage is Japanese footage, so there's not much footage <laughs> that we have to actually shoot. So that's pretty simple. And uh, I'm sorry, what was the second part of that question? Did you watch any of the other uh, Saban shows at the time? No. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, first of all, a lot of people don't know this, but I was 28 years old when I was filming VR Troopers. Oh, really? I think I got it when I was 27. 7, 28. Yeah, I was an older guy when I started that show. So <laughs> wasn't really into Power Rangers back then. But we shot on the same production studio, so they were just right mm-hmm. next door to us. So I would go over there and watch them film. That's about as close as I got to watching Power Rangers. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I, I watched a few episodes just to kind of understand what the... You know, when I got the audition and try to understand what their, you know, mm-hmm. what the format was like and, you know, what was expected. So, yeah, I did study a little bit, especially the fighting stuff. And I kind of really admired Jason David Frank for his martial arts because I was kind of doing a similar style and, oh, okay. and competing in the kind of the same circuit. So I was really kind of watching him because I felt like he was the best martial artist. And that's what I was I felt like I was bringing to the table was I had probably the most martial arts experience on mm-hmm. the set. So I wanted to bring that in and that was my focus. So yeah, I, I studied Jason and the Power Rangers just for that. <laughs> Another one of our listeners at Geek Session ISN, he wanted to know about your martial arts experience in the past and how did you get involved in martial arts? Yeah, uh, I didn't start martial arts till I was 19. Yeah, it was something I just kind of fell into. I think I got into one too many fights when I was younger. <laughs> my hand a couple of times, and I had to learn a new way of defending myself. Now, I grew up in Massachusetts originally. I also grew up in Germany, too. But in Massachusetts is where I mostly grew up. And it was kind of rough out there in the, the part of the state where I grew up. And there were a lot of fights. And But they also had this attitude back then, like, oh, you, you know, you got to kick like a girl. You got to do karate. So I didn't do martial arts for the longest time. And even though I wanted to when I was younger, I just didn't because it was such a, I don't know, a negative attitude towards it. Mm-hmm. They assume, oh, you can't fight. So you got to go and learn how to do karate and kick. So it was that attitude. That's why then I was just kind of forced to because I broke my hand and then I loved it. And I think quickly within two years, I think I ended up taking over a school and started teaching it. And then another year or so, I ended up buying the school. So I owned the school for a while. 
Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I was the owner and chief instructor, and then I started taking mm-hmm. lessons from all these other different schools in the area. So I was studying, our school was Kempo, and then I was studying Taekwondo and some Okinawan styles and Kung Fu styles. So I, I studied many different styles, and I studied even more styles when I came out to California to do acting. And so that's mm-hmm. that's really when my my skills started to increase when I came out to California. I'd studied many, many different styles for a long time. And how much working on the show did you take from the stunt people? And how much did you take away from just filming? A lot, actually. Some of the stunt guys, there were a couple of really good stunt guys that uh, I became close friends with that had really strong martial art backgrounds. And there were different styles than, than I was familiar with. So I learned from them. I'd also never done gymnastics before until I started VR Troopers. So actually, that's not true. I, I think I did it for like a year just before I started. But but I really <laughs> got into it when we would train with some of the stunt guys at a gymnastics place where we would just work on our choreography, kind of the film style mm-hmm. arts, because, you know, there's the practical martial arts like you see in UFC, you know, the stuff that actually works in a real fight, and <laughs> yeah. the cinematic, flashy stuff that we do for, for television. So we were working on the flashy stuff, just jumping, flying, spinning kicks, you know, incorporated with gymnastics. So mm-hmm. I did a lot of that with the stunt guys. Now, at Lexington, you mentioned that some of the fighting wasn't taken that seriously, and maybe that was like a point of contention for you, just... <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Oh, you're bringing up a sore spot. Oh, sorry. Yeah. The show was really fun. Let's talk about the positive. The show was really fun. I enjoyed mostly doing the fights. It was actually the opposite of what you said. I took the fights really seriously, and I didn't take Mm. the acting very seriously. The acting stuff was kind of like, oh, that was just... We were just having fun because it was such a kid show and it was silly dialogue and my scenes weren't anything. And and so uh, we were laughing. A lot of times I didn't even know what my lines were until I actually got on my mark. (laughs) Wait, what's my line? All right, all right, all right. (laughs) Let's go. We got to kill Grimlord, you know? (laughs) I had just one liner. So that was the fun, easy part. The martial arts stuff. Like I said, I, I wanted to bring martial arts to the show. That was what I had. Mm-hmm. That's all I had. I wasn't a great actor. It was the martial arts that I was hoping to really shine. And the contention was I couldn't really demonstrate what I could do to my full potential. And a lot of that was, there were so many reasons. One, the stunt choreographer, he had his own ideas about what the choreography mm-hmm. should be. There was another dispute about how violent the show should be or the choreography should be because... Power Rangers got a lot of flack from the parents because the Power Rangers show, as you know, probably it encouraged a lot of kids to act out a little <laughs> bit violently, like from what they saw in Power Rangers. So when mm-hmm. we came along, they were like, all right, we got to tone it down. So they were saying, all right, no kicks to the head, no punches to that, nothing, no strikes to the head at all. The martial arts and the choreography had to be a little bit more silly so that we couldn't do it as cool and flashy as some of the power rangers did Mm -hmm. so i was a little frustrated with that i was like oh man green ranger gets to do all this cool stuff (laughs) i can do that and they were just trying to water it down and make it look goofy and silly sometimes but we got to do some cool stuff but otherwise Mm -hmm. it was always like no 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 let's let's keep it simple and let's do this simple little crescent kick and that'll work (laughs) 
man. <laughs> so I was, yeah, it was always a fight to try to get our ideas you know, mm. passed through the choreographer, and it was always a fight. Well, it seems like the dojo scenes were a little bit more, at least from what I watched, it seems like those dojo scenes were more indicative of the skills that you had. Like It seems like you got to show off a little bit more during those scenes. Yeah, yeah. Right? You're right. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, good observation. The stuff where I was just doing martial arts on my own where I wasn't in combat with another mm-hmm. Skugs and, you know, the bad guys, when I just got to do my own thing by myself. Yeah, that was a little bit more of my time to shine and uh, and also when we were just kind of sparring between me and Brad, mm-hmm. that was a little bit more more creativity and in the input that we got to do on that. And also the the character that played Dao on the show, yes, he was actually my, one of my teachers in real life too. So he also had some input too. So we were close friends. We used to hang out off the set. So yeah, the dojo stuff was a little bit more some mm-hmm. of our creativity. The fights with the Skugs were the sometimes <laughs> silly parts. <laughs> Not always, but a lot of times. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you one quick story. I think you heard it when I was at. Yeah. Pizza. And this was an episode, you know, most of the episodes usually focus on Brad and, and sometimes Sarah. And I probably mm-hmm. had the least amount of episodes where it was focused on my character. But one episode where it was focused on mine, I was like, yay, this is an episode about JB Reese. So I, I get to do something cool, I hope. And they had me run out to an alley chasing the Skug. <laughs> and I had happened to have a pizza box. <laughs> my hand and so their idea for the choreography was i was gonna act like i was gonna throw the pizza like a frisbee but the pizza box would stay in my hand and the pizza would fly out the side of the box and run down the alley flying like a frisbee and chase down like and it would zigzag so the zig the 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 bad guy was like zigzagging down the alley the pizza would follow it and the camera would be like from that pov from the pizza and then smack into the skug and knock him down and that was my choreography i threw a couple of kicks and that was it i'm like really i'm gonna beat a bad guy with a pizza that was my choreography i was so upset by that oh my gosh that's some of the campiness that went on (laughs) <laughs> we have another listener question from Brian Carter at Kismet Idea said, how did VR Troopers change your life? Ooh, ooh deep question. Yeah, we're getting deep. <laughs> uh, you know, I think VR Troopers was, it was a weird time in my life where right as I got on the show, I was also going through something actually very deep uh, uh, in my personal life. I was studying with this guy where I was doing a lot of like spiritual work, meditation and Tai Chi and some other stuff Mm -hmm. and really working on my personal self. So that was another weird thing that was going on behind the scenes on the set. Brad Hawkins was just cracking me up all the time, (laughs) every day on the show. And here I was trying to be like kind of introspective and and trying to focus on myself and I'd be meditating in my dressing room and I was really trying to become, you know, develop this inner peace, right? And he would just like, just make me laugh. Like (laughs) sometimes I couldn't even say my lines, you know, the directors would get upset at us because we're always goofing off. (laughs) So I should have enjoyed VR Troopers more than I did, but I was so focused on this spirituality that I was going through this it was just a phase that I went through for a few years and I was Mm -hmm. kind of focusing on that and I didn't really take in the excitement and fame that I got from the show I I was always trying to hide in public I always wear my hat low I didn't want people to recognize me I just wanted to work on my spirituality (laughs) I was was just trying to be you know a happy person (laughs) that was what I was focusing on and VR Troopers just happened to overlap that time in my life And it was a great experience. I loved it. 
I have some great stories about meeting with fans in the in public. It was exciting times, and to this day, it was one of the most exciting times of my life. And I absolutely miss it, and I wish I could go back to it. I wish we did more episodes. I wish I could have enjoyed it more. I have a lot of regrets, but mostly fond memories of the show. I just, I miss it, and it was one of the best times of my life. That kind of actually ties into another question we had from another listener. At Snarky Sean said, if for some divine reason VR Troopers came back for a Where Are They Now special, would you be in? Yeah, of course, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I I just had to pause for the way he framed the question, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Divine reason. It was... was His hey, words, not mine. That's yeah. that is I, that is verbatim what he typed. I just yeah, um, without hesitation, absolutely, I would love to do it. But yeah, we know that's never going to happen. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll organize it at Paramorphicon. That's what we'll okay. Yeah, yeah, we can do a fan fan film. Yeah, we'll do a fan film because. <laughs> That's the only way it's going to happen. Even though that was this weird time on the show and, you know, in your life, one of our listeners brought up this, but I'm kind of curious. Brian Ensbenson, he wanted to know if you had any of your own action figures from the toy line. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I do. I admit it. But let me tell you, I have two action figures. Let me explain how I got them. One, a friend of mine who was living in Alaska at the time called me up and he said, Mike, hey, dude, I got a toy. I got an action figure with your face on it. I was like, no way. Really? (laughs) That's awesome. And so he sent it to me. And to this day, I have never seen that specific action figure. I know they have the other ones with my trooper character, but not one with, you know, with me and with my face on the action figure. And I've only seen that one other time. And that was just this past Lexington comic con where a fan came up to me and brought that toy in mint condition for me to sign. I was like, no way I got one of these at home. (laughs) (laughs) And the other action figure I got was, so I work at telltale games and I showed up Mm -hmm. there. I think I've been there probably about two years by this point. And I showed up at my desk one time and only a few people at work know I did this show. Most people, I don't Mm -hmm. think know unless They know, and they're not saying anything. (laughs) But this is how I think that. But I showed up at my desk, and somebody put a a VR Trooper action figure right at my desk, (laughs) and a little yellow sticker saying, Mike, we know. (laughs) (laughs) Signed, anonymous. (laughs) I look around, nobody told me who did it. And to this day, I don't know who did it. (laughs) Actually, I have a, I have a, I have a clue who did it. So. <laughs> For the longest time, I had no idea who did it. So I don't know who knows or doesn't know at my company. So, yeah. I'm surprised that they had VR Trooper toys in Alaska. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, That's crazy. They have toys, I'm sure, but VR Troopers? Wow. <laughs> Speaking of Telltale Games, Zach and I, were both huge gamers. I think we're even more excited to talk with you about Telltale Games and your animation work. Like we mentioned at the start of the show, you've worked on Walking Dead, Wolf Among Us, Tales from the Borderlands, Game of Thrones. Can you tell us a little bit about what your duties are, what you've worked on specifically for those games? Yeah, sure. And you can add to that list now. I'm working on Batman now. Yes! Yeah, we're doing the new (laughs) Batman game. Here's the thing. Eric and I are very excited about the Batman game. However, we know that NDAs and things like that exist. So, like, we're like, we should talk about it, but how do we bring it up without him (laughs) risking his job to tell us about the game? (laughs) That's that's very public. I, I can talk about the fact that I'm working on it. 
Awesome. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't mention what it's about in the storyline and characters. Yeah, so. fair enough. Well, I'll have to bring my copy to Paramorphicon and get you to get you to <laughs> autograph it. <laughs> yeah, I've worked on all those episodes, not all equal amount of time. I also worked a little mm-hmm. bit on the My- Telltale Minecraft game, but not for very long. Most of the my time was spent on Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead. That's where most of my time Which animation. are two very awesome games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I enjoy playing them myself. They're, they're great games. Telltale is doing some really fun, exciting stuff. It's mm-hmm. very different than a lot of the games that are out there. You know, it's like watching a TV show, but you get to interact. I love their games. They're fun to play, and their visual style is really cool. So, and Batman, mm-hmm. I think, is going to be a great IP for them because, you know, they have this comic book style. So that's kind of their niche. So I'm excited. And as far as my participation in specifically, a lot of the Game of Thrones stuff, I did a lot of the action and fight scenes. So that was a real pleasure for me to work on because I got to incorporate some of my martial arts background into to doing a lot of those fight scenes. So a lot of the fighting stuff was mine. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Now, I want to ask, like, I, I don't know specifically how that animation process works, but is it like filming some moves and kind of replicating that in the animation? Was there any mocap involved? Anything like that? Yeah, that's a, a good question. There's no mocap in our animation. I can't go into detail about the process, but oh sure, yeah. But it's all hand keyed animation. We do shoot video reference, so we'll act out some of our fight scenes or choreography, and then just use that as reference. But mm-hmm. it's all just sitting at the computer and animating it by hand. No mocap. Nice. You've also worked on feature film animation too just from your imdb life of pi percy jackson sea of monsters hotel transylvania hop open season three alvin and the chipmunks three how did you get into animation to begin with so uh, just a caveat on life of pi i actually don't have film credit on life of pi because i was only on it for a month you have to work oh, okay. for a certain amount of time, but I did work on it for a month. I did the meerkat scene on that movie. <laughs> but anyway, so the way I got into animation was, well, I jumped around for a few different jobs after VR Troopers. And actually, I didn't give up on the acting industry that easy either. I stayed in acting and tried to do more work, and I did some more work after that, but... Mm-hmm. It was a tough ride for me. I was going on all these auditions, and I just wasn't booking anything. And, you know, when I first got out to L.A., it was somewhere like 91 or 92, and VR Troopers, I booked, like, within the first year that I got out there. So I was really lucky to get that. Mm-hmm. But now, looking back, I found out what happened with my career, and that by the 80s, a lot of light-skinned blacks were getting a lot of work. And a lot of people were excited about me coming out there. I did a this acting and talent competition in L.A., and a lot of agents were interested in signing me on. So mm-hmm. I just couldn't turn it down. I, I owned a karate school, but then I was getting all this interest in doing work out in L.A. And so after VR Troopers, I shut down my karate school, moved out to L.A., got work mm-hmm. right away. Well, not right away. 500 auditions later, I finally got. (laughs) I went on a lot of auditions. And so I was just booking little things here and there. But VR Troopers was the first big one. And then after that, it was starting to, we're going into the mid-90s. I learned in the 90s, especially by the mid-90s, they were not interested, Hollywood was not interested in hiring light-skinned blacks anymore. They were looking for more dark-skinned blacks. So Mm. I was still going on auditions and... I just kind of got frustrated not knowing this. And I just said to a casting director, hey, listen, 
you got to tell me. I have not been booking anything. Can you just be totally straight up and honest with me? Is my acting that bad? And she's like, no, you know, it's not your acting at all. Your acting is fine. The problem is when you walked in the door, you didn't look black. The role calls for a, a black actor. And when you walked in, I didn't know what you were. And I was like, ah, interesting. So that's what's wow. going on. And so a few other people have mentioned this. They said, I just, I, I'm too ambiguous looking that I could, I look kind of Indian or Middle Eastern because the image in Hollywood was to be a black actor. This was the nineties. Now you had, had right. you know, the bald head, the goatee, you had to look like kind of like a Michael Jordan type, you know, dark skin. And they were just looking for more of an ethnic type of stereotypical mm-hmm. character. And I didn't fit any of those roles. So I think I stayed in Hollywood for about five years, still trying to pursue acting after VR Troopers. And then I just gave up and started pursuing other careers. So mm-hmm. and I got into real estate. Uh, I did architecture for a little while. And then I found by doing some drafting at this um, engineering place, someone doing 3D modeling on their home computer and they brought it into work. And I was like, oh my God, that is amazing. How did you do that? He built this like some female character in 3D and I was just blown away because, you know, the architecture, it's all 2D. It's just it's oh, yeah. Etch-a-Sketch, right? You're just drawing lines, you know, <laughs> designing blueprint. It was fun, but it wasn't as interesting as doing something in 3D. And that was, that was new technology at the time. And I, I was oh, yeah. just fascinated by it. And so we discovered a school nearby. This was in Boston. And uh, we both started going to animation school together. And so I went to a two-year school. And then I got, uh, that school was not very good. And it wasn't going to get me into the industry. So then I went to a four-year school. That was in Florida. And it was Ringling College of Art and Design in Florida, one of the top schools at the time. And then I got an internship at Pixar right after I graduated. Then I started getting jobs in the animation industry. Unfortunately, a lot of the animation jobs were contract work, which is mm-hmm. why I bounced around from company to company for the longest time. And then I, I ended up getting into video games because video game animation was more fun to do. And it was a, definitely a more stable industry. So this is, I think, where I'm settled on my career now. And I'm really nice. enjoying it. You mentioned playing the games that you worked on, too. I mean, that's got to be fulfilling when something finally releases that you worked on. What a great feeling that must oh, be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then to play the game that you worked on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. And I was shocked by how many people came up to me at the convention saying, oh, dude, I totally love Telltale Games. I had no idea. I didn't realize how big Telltale was until after I got hired there and then started hearing more and more about our games coming out and just talking to friends and even mm-hmm. people I don't know saying, oh, you work at Telltale? Oh, my God, I play their games. They're awesome. I was like, really? Wow. That's, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know I had an impact until I started talking to people like at Lexington and other places saying they, they love our games. That's awesome. And so Yeah, Eric and I were hanging out Saturday evening like before dinner, and he's just like, yeah, I went to Mike Hollander's panel, and he talked about working at Telltale, and I was like, wait, Telltale Games? Really? Awesome! <laughs> like, I, I got so excited that you worked at Telltale. <laughs> Because, yeah, like like Eric said earlier, we're both big gamers. We love playing the Telltale games. And it's fun to know that you, you, know, you know someone who works in that industry, you know? Yeah. And something else to geek out about about Telltale is that you've probably heard about this in, online is that they're also teaming up with Marvel. And so yeah. they're coming up with something in 2017 with Marvel. Oh, that's, that's awesome. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna do some fun stuff it's exciting the first telltale game that i played 
was The Walking Dead. And just because I'm such a huge fan of the show, immediately I was just struck by, oh, wow, like it's it's kind of like a choose your own adventure. You know, you can shape the story that you want to tell through your actions. And The Walking Dead, all the zombie action and, and all that stuff. So I have to give you props for the action that you animate because I know you did the bar scene in Wolf Among Us. And even months after playing that game, that's still like one of the scenes that is stuck in my mind because it was so memorable oh cool i didn't do all of it i most of my work was done on game of thrones and walking dead so i was only on on that game for a little while so i didn't do all of that fight scene but i you know i did some of the grendel stuff and big mm-hmm. b but yeah we have a lot of great animators at our studio that are also contributing to a lot of the, <laughs> the fights i don't want i don't want to make it sound oh sure right, sure. right yeah <laughs> i created this game myself <laughs> Yeah, we're all working this collaboratively as a team, working on these games. So, but that was and we, that we was can't fun wait to, to work. see what comes out next, man. It's going to be great. Yeah, we're all really excited about Batman. It, it, <laughs> it's, it's looking cool so far. We just started, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. Do you have any advice for maybe someone that wants to get into animation, especially in the video games industry? Any of our listeners that might be tuning into this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's, oh, man, I wish there was people out there that gave me advice when I started. I would have chosen a different path. Yeah. Maybe like two or three of the biggest pieces of advice you could give. There's so many things. All right, one is you got to get the best quality training possible. I, In fact, I'm speaking to a college down here in San Jose to some of the animation students. They have an animation program. And I can't stress enough about how important the training is because if you don't have the skills, and there's so many schools out there that are teaching animation that I feel like they're not getting the most qualified training or students going to college, they may not have the aptitude to do animation. Animation isn't for everyone. And there's Mm -hmm. other fields of disciplines within the animation community. So you can do modeling or rigging, like setting up the controls for the characters. You can do lighting, texturing, uh, creating environments. You can do story, storyboards. So there's other disciplines within animation. So for example, the school I came from, we had like 100 students that started the program. Only 70 graduated. And only a small percentage of those people actually got jobs in animation. And this was one of the top animation schools in the country. And the market is getting really flooded now with animators. There's a a lot of online schools, good ones, too. Mm. So you don't need a college degree, per se, to get into the industry, though it, it helps because you can learn all these other disciplines. The online programs only teach you animation. They don't teach you all the other stuff like modeling and lighting and the technical stuff. So you just mm-hmm. focus on animation, which makes you a better animator because you're only focusing on one thing. But you won't know until you get into it if you have a natural ability to be a good animator. So it requires understanding body mechanics and acting and performance. And then it depends on what style of animation that you may be good at, you know, depending on what your experiences in life are. If you're, if you're an artist, a lot of people that want to go to a traditional animation school for a degree, you need a strong art background. A lot of schools won't accept you unless you have a really good art portfolio, like Mm -hmm. the school I went to. I actually had to take a year of art classes just to get into that school. I I applied to three top schools around the country 
and I got re- actually four. I got rejected by all of them because I didn't have an art background. Mm. Now I'm not naturally a good artist, but because of my martial arts background and, and my acting background, I felt that's what helped me get really good at animation. But some people, you know, they may not have any of that background, and they think they can be an animator. You you need something. You you need an artistic eye, an eye for performance. So just because you may want to be an animator doesn't mean that you'll be good at it it's it's and it's really hard to say until you actually get into it so i that part i can't give you advice on whether you should do it or whether you have the skills or what experiences you need to have to be a good animator i don't know what the formula is for making someone successful at that but just be aware that the animation industry whether you're doing film Mm -hmm. or video games there's a lot of animators out there and film tends to be more contract work and now video games are starting to be that way. So I would suggest just take whatever kind of job you can get, whether it's you know just a one or three month gig, get your experience, try to do some internships if you can, just get whatever experience you can and continue the training even after you graduate, continue doing projects on your own. A lot of people I know I went to school with went to multiple schools and continued their training even afterwards. We're still talking at work about training our animation skills at home because we may not be doing that high level of animation at our work. So we want to continue to increase our skills and you never stop learning and never stop training. You've got to really push your craft. That's the most important advice I can give. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm a graphic designer and I've always been into art since I was a little kid. And I have to agree with a lot of the points you're saying. I mean, animation and and design, it's similar in terms of like, you know, the market being flooded. And so I have to agree with you just pushing yourself because even at your nine to five, you may not be doing the most innovative stuff in line with the curve of the industry. So on your own, you got to continuously improve yourself. So I totally hear you on that one. It's so competitive out there. The the people that really and and it almost doesn't matter what industry you're in whether it's acting or business or art or you're dealing with a time where people are coming out of college and not getting jobs so you have people who are mm-hmm. trained and skilled and they're competing for a very limited amount of jobs so only the best of the best are going to get the work so you whatever industry you get into you've got to get the best training and continue to try to perform and be the best at what you do it's so competitive out there and i I feel bad for people who are just coming out of college now it's it's rough out there yeah well (laughs) not to bring it all down um Sorry, folks. <laughs> no, no, no. This is just a lot it's, of stress and anxiety that I had coming out of college. It was it oh, was yeah. not an easy ride. That was one of the hardest things I ever mm-hmm. had to do. So <laughs> sorry to bring it down. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, it's great advice, really. I just think a lot of people have that mindset where they're like, oh, yeah, I'll just go to college. I'll get the degree. And then I'll make like 90000 a year. And it's like, <laughs> reality check. Yeah. And a lot of people think animation, oh, that's something that's so cool, it's fun, and I'll just do that. And it is fun. Oh, and the upside to animation is there's no math or programming or anything technical involved Mm -hmm. in animation. A lot of people think that you're doing programming or that you're drawing. There's no drawing. I mean, it's hard to explain. It's it's kind of like doing claymation or stop-motion animation, Mm -hmm. where you're posing a character within the computer, there's no drawing, and then you keyframe it and get enough poses that are keyframed and you have a movie. It's pretty simple. There's nothing technical about it, or not too technical. So 
anybody has the potential for doing it, but you know, it does take that artistic eye for performance and understanding body mechanics to, to do it, and you won't know that until you get into it. I also wanted to ask, jumping back to like martial arts, do you still practice at all? Uh, not formally. I mainly mm-hmm. just train, you know, doing kickboxing or doing bag work at the gym, but I don't belong to a school or train anymore formally. It's, you know, my joints are wearing down, <laughs> getting older. <laughs> I just can't do the stuff that I used to be able to do. And But I, I mean, I definitely still train in kickboxing just on my own. I don't spar or anything, just, just working the heavy bag and, and doing weights and keeping active, just trying to stay healthy. And that's about it. Nice. And then we kind of have a a random question from Tommy Brevar Jr., one of our listeners. He asks, what's your favorite TV show? Now or? Right now. Oh, oh, hmm. Do you even have time to watch (laughs) stuff? (laughs) Uh, All right, full disclosure. I'm not really big into TV shows. I'm more of a Mm -hmm. movie buff. I really like movies i'm really a big fan of movies that's probably my <laughs> that's probably the thing i get most excited about and ufc i, I watch a, a lot of ufc so i'm as far as tv shows i can't think of anything that i've seen that i'm really into so i'm i'm well, what, really uh, into like what, sci-fi movies that's that's oh nice what's some sci-fi movies recently that you've been really into well, one movie that came out recently was Ex Machina that came out last year. Yes. That was awesome. I'm I'm a total like philosophy nerd and and I love like neuroscience and and science in general. I just, you know, anything that mm-hmm. comes out about artificial intelligence or anything like that, I'm just I totally nerd out about, it. especially Movies with robots and, you know, the idea of, like, uploading and downloading consciousness and what is consciousness. Mm-hmm. That whole thing just fascinates me. So anything to do with robots, which is so ironic. I got to be a robot character on a TV show. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always been that way. I've always been fascinated with robots, even as a kid. You know, some of those were some of my favorite kind of shows. And so, yeah, Ex Machina is such a, a cool study in what is it to be human and so mm-hmm. i like shows like that yeah so that new tron movie that came out a while back oh. pretty cool oh man it's just so many i love the martian i love the idea of by 2030 maybe we we might be taking a mission <laughs> to mars you know that all that talk about one-way trip or can we make it back or i mean that's fascinating to me. Well, kind of reflecting back on VR Troopers, I mean, looking back, like now it seems like virtual reality has come full circle in a way. Now with, you know, the Oculus Rift coming out yeah. and, and, and all that stuff. So it, it's kind of weird that it's taken like a 20-year loop to, to get <laughs> back to <laughs> Yeah, and I wonder why, maybe you guys know, I wonder why it didn't take off back then. It seemed like such an interesting concept, but... It didn't take off back then, and I, I, why would it take off now and not back then? That's what I'm curious about. I think a lot of it had to do with the technical limitations of the time. You were just barely getting 3D graphics and video games back then. Then the polygonal characters that would always be present in those kind of VR demonstrations were always kind of like, eh, it's real hokey. But yeah. you know, nowadays with graphic capabilities, I think it's definitely taking off more now because it can look so realistic I think back then it was more of like a fad, like, oh, wow, this is this is going to be the wave of the future. And I, I think the technological limitations didn't meet up to the hype or the promise mm-hmm. back then. Where now we're at that time where the tech can actually make it look pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I'd, I'd be really curious to see what they can do now. And I'm worried about what they come up with for content. And, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't experienced what it's like to look through the Oculus Rift and see what that's what that looks like. But what I'm worried about, I guess, is is it going to be kind of this novelty like the 3D goggles when you go to the movies where <laughs> some people will like it, but other people, it gives them headaches and makes them dizzy. They, they just... You know, they prefer the standard format rather than the 3D effect. And, and even the people who see it in 3D, they're like, eh, it doesn't add that much to the movie experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, I have mixed feelings about it. I, I hope it takes off. I, I would be into it. I think it would be cool. But I have a feeling the general public will be kind of mixed on it. I think some people, it'll just be like, eh, I'd just rather watch it on a TV screen. I don't need that kind of effect. Yeah. It would be cool if they did it and if they did it right. I think it's all about the content because that's how some of the earlier video game systems failed. It was because the games weren't being made for it or it wasn't living up to its potential. Right. And we used to think that, oh, you know, games have to be increasingly better with its graphics and has to look super photo real. And and then you got like something like Minecraft that comes out. You know, it's just mm-hmm. block character. It's just huge. It's just it's blowing everybody out of the water. It's incredible. It's hard to predict where the future of technology can take us. You know, we think it's the cooler and more most realistic thing possible, but you know, maybe not necessarily. Oh yeah. Actually talking about something new mm-hmm. and what's gonna be the next big thing. Have you seen the trailer for this movie Hardcore Henry? I have, yeah. Yeah. Let's think of that. That's kind of bizarre, right? Like, Isn't it? It's weird. It's like it's so you're you're having a first person shooter perspective on an entire movie that's going to be like two hours long or whatever. I don't know. It's, yeah, I got to give them credit for being so creative and and yeah. doing something so out of the box. That's pretty impressive. I may have to see it just because it's so different. But that's what I'm thinking. Like to just just to see it and have that experience of like I went to the first first person movie right yeah it's it's insane yeah i'm i'm kind of mixed on it because i'm like the concept just the trailer i was blown away because i'm like whoa it feels like i'm an action star in my own movie but at the same time i'm like i don't know if i could watch an hour and a half (laughs) now imagine that but on oculus rift right like oh, that movie whoa. seems made for Oculus or for any of these <laughs> VR headsets that have come out. Like, oh, I think that would be insane. All your senses would explode. I mean, I think you would just go into like a coma. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because on uh, one of the April Fool's jokes, uh, the the website ThinkGeek, uh, they had like a fake product where it was like this sensory overload device and it just like squirts water at you or like it gives you like the full immersive vr experience <laughs> oh, kind of a thing yeah i saw that so, <laughs> i always love when well, geek does their april fool's day stuff well even in movies they've got those chairs now that like vibrate and like move to the action I, have you have you guys seen that yeah the, um, the 40 box or whatever they're called yeah yeah. It's it's weird. Like I don't know if I want to get that <laughs> deep into my movies. <laughs> yeah, they tried that back in the fifties. You know, smell a vision or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. I don't know. I mean, 
You know, well, they have those rides, you know, where you go to like Universal Studios or the Star Tours rides where you can oh, ride yeah. moves with the screen that you're watching. Those can be fun, but like you said, two hours of it? I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a limit to how much we can take, you know, through our senses. It's <laughs> especially like even when Avatar first came out and, you know, people were going to the 3D version of that. And I mean, I know people that are like, I just, I can't do it. Like the whole 3D thing, it makes me nauseous. So I can only imagine what this hardcore Henry is going to do. <laughs> I know, yeah. Even the movies where they're doing now, uh, it's been a trend since the Blair Witch Project. The uh, you know the handheld look, you know, you got yeah, it's just running around. And I tried to watch that movie. Uh, oh, what was it? Oh, now I can't even think of the name of it. Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Yeah, exactly. And that was just so much just input. <laughs> I was just like, you know, I watched the screen up close because the movie theater was packed i was like oh and the shaky camera there was so much action it was yeah it can be a little intense with yeah that much information with a shaky camera and yeah i don't know it's that's why i think the whole 3d thing might be just it may not completely go away it may not be a fad but it may only Mm -hmm. reach a certain audience Mm -hmm. that's my theory or guess but what do i (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't gamble on the future i don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Zach, did you have any other uh, questions? From no, Mike? I think we've had a really great uh, interview here today. And I mean, Mike, you gave us a lot of really cool insight into, you know, not only your past as a VR trooper, but also your current work as a <laughs> games animator. It's just been really great having you on, man. Oh, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And it was fun going down memory lane. The next con that people can uh, see you at will be Paramorphicon in August? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'll be there in Pasadena. And I'm going to try to do more of these. There's been a lot of interest in having me go to more cons and just keep a lookout on my Facebook fan page, Mike Hollander. I'll post stuff of any events that I, I intend on going to. So it's been a fun experience, and I'll do more if I'm invited. It's great. Excellent. Well, both of us are going to be at Paramorphicon. Cool. Uh, we can't wait to talk with you again. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Mike. Great day. See ya. been listening to the ranger command power hour only on the four-eyed radio network you can catch a new episode every other saturday find us on the morphing grid at www.rangercommand.com follow us on twitter at ranger command ph and like us on facebook.com slash ranger command power hour This is Trekkie B47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour, and you are listening to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Ranger Command is now on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more. Thanks.
This has been another proud production of the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You want to see more shows, go check out www.fouridradio.com, you winkers.